0: The vision has always been to empower women in a variety of ways, using content to begin with, using the true stories of every woman. Only 19% of uh, women in India access paid work in any form and we really want to be part of uh, bringing about that change. Everyone has their own way of telling a story and everyone has their own story to tell. So why not let them tell it as they see fit, which is really where the contributor-driven
1: route uh, comes in. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjafa entrepreneur, high achieving nine to five turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how to's and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Our guest on today's episode is Aparna Vedpuri Singh. She's the founder and CEO of Women's Web, which is a digital media platform and authentic space for women to express themselves as well as connect with others and find suitable opportunities. Women's Web is a company with a mission to help increase participation of urban Indian women in the paid workforce from 19% to 40% by enabling storytelling, inspiration, connection, resources, and learning for working women and women who aspire to work and empower themselves. Aparna has been an entrepreneur for over a decade now and has grown Women's Web as a platform that boasts of over 12k content creators, besides an omnichannel reach in the millions and an enterprise client list that includes some of India's most inclusive companies. She is passionate about empowering women to chart their own destinies and bringing women together to empower each other on their journeys In my conversation with Aparna today, we are going to go behind the scenes and hear the story of Women's Web, how the brand has grown and scaled and continues to scale from the ground up. Hi Aparna, welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. While I've known you and I've had the pleasure of working with you before this podcast, I'm very, very excited to have you on the podcast. I have so many questions for you. So You know, this is going to be a long one, but welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Savita. I mean, uh, I am an avid uh, podcast listener, as I think I've told you before. And uh, that's in general. And in particular, I really love what you're doing with your podcast. And having listened to a lot of your interviews with other guests, I'm really happy to be part of that roster.
1: Okay, that is nice. I mean, thank you for that. So share with us as a co-founder. I know you have another founder as well. What made you both start Women's Web? What was the why? When did you start? And yeah, the origin of Women's Web for us.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, when you say origin story, right, I I really feel like a superhero now. But uh, essentially, Women's Web is now, you know, a decade plus old. So we are amongst the earliest uh, communities for women in India. And uh, we really started from a very simple kind of an observation, which, uh, you know, I noticed around me. Uh, I was part of the early wave of blogging in India. And uh, I noticed that while a lot of us bloggers, uh, digital writers had really moved ahead in terms of the issues that we were covering, the very wide spectrum of uh, issues related to women's lives that we were talking about. Uh, traditional women's magazines were still, uh, you know, sort of stuck in another age altogether where most of the conversation was really about, uh, you know, very uh, celebrity-oriented, glossy, uh, you know, focused primarily on uh, beauty and so on. And uh, this is not to say, of course, that, you know, there's no space for any of those in uh, women's lives, but we're so much more than that, Right. Uh, So that's how I uh, sort of uh, really jumped in feet first saying that, hey, there can be a space where women get to talk about uh, all the parts of their lives, the good, bad and the ugly and not just the glossy. And uh, that's how uh, Women's Web really began. And uh, my co-founder Anju joined me a few years later.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting to know. And while you know you have not gone like you wanted to share real life on the ground stories, what has really been challenging part of building and growing women's work? Because now you're a media house. Now you have, you know, it's grown into something. And alongside that, I want to ask, did you think that you would that was the vision that it would grow into something so big? Uh,
0: so yeah, one of the things I think I've learned uh, as an entrepreneur is that you know, while uh, at a broad level your vision doesn't change but at least mine hasn't Uh, and the vision has always been to you know empower uh, women in a variety of ways using content to begin with using the true stories of every woman so that vision hasn't changed that we want to enable women to be their best selves to really find their own destinies to chart their own paths all of that but how we are doing it has changed in fact uh, today we're no longer just a media house we started off as a you know, community-driven platform where people could come together and share their own stories. But today, we're, uh, you know, on this path where we're empowering women, not just through content, not just through storytelling, but uh, we've also evolved to say that we want to, uh, you know, empower women in other ways, which is through access to resources and opportunities. So, uh, Savita, I think you would be really aware that uh, only 19% of uh, women uh, in India, you know, access paid work in any form. And we really want to be part of uh, bringing about that change. So that's how our vision has evolved uh, from being a media platform that centers women's stories to more, and I'll maybe talk about that uh, later on uh, in the course of our conversation. But coming back to you know, what has been the biggest challenge, right? I think the biggest challenge has really been around Uh, the business of Women's Web, which is that, you know, how do you build, grow, sustain a community uh, in ways that, you know, uh, bring value to your users and also to you as a business, right? Because ultimately today we live in a world where content is free to consume. So what is it that you can build around it in ways that bring value to your users and also enable you to monetize the community that you're building? So that has you know, been a learning curve and uh, there have been a lot of things we've uh, you know, learned along the way about how you do that.
1: Okay, I think like every business uh, from what I'm hearing you share, you start out by saying this is what I want to do but then it kind of, you know, that's what the space demands. That's what you see is a need and that's the offer that you can bring and that's how I think Women's Web has also evolved from where you started to where you are now. and You know, I know you touched upon monetizing. What made you, before we go into that, before we go into business, what made you go down the route of being contributor-led? Because that's how you kind of started. And how do you decide, let's say today, me, I want to send you, send a story that I think is important to be shared. How do you then decide what is relevant and what you won't share?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I'll take the first part of that, you know, why did we decide to go down the uh, contributor-driven route? Now, uh, you know, if I want to look at an approach where a small team of uh, editors or, you know, uh, gatekeepers in a way decides what should be published, uh, there's already mainstream media to do that, right? And there are plenty of options uh, where, you know, uh, there are any number of mainstream print and digital publications, which is pure uh, editorial vision driven, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's one approach today. But we went with a different approach, which is to say that sometimes it's the story that matters, not necessarily whether it's, uh, you know, written in a literary fashion or journalistic fashion. Uh, So I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, let's uh, take uh, one of our uh, contributors, who's perhaps uh, an engineer, who's uh, maybe worked in the uh, oil and gas industry which is not a very, uh, you know, common industry for women to work in. And uh, she wants to share her story of what does it mean to be an engineer in this industry. Now, uh, a traditional, uh, you know, media uh, house would not really be able to have this woman's story in her own words or, you know, express the way she thinks it should be, uh, you know, brought forward. And that's uh, why we really felt that, you know, everyone has their own way of telling a story and everyone has their own story to tell. So why not let them tell it as they see fit, which is really where the contributor-driven route uh, comes in. Uh, Now, of course, does it mean that, you know, anything and everything can go up on women's web and there is absolutely no order or no structure to it? No, that's not the case. So we are a mediated platform. So where we do have guidelines and a team of editors, which would apply those guidelines to understand, you know, what can go up and what cannot. So, for instance, you know, of course, we would not allow hate speech. We would not allow uh, anything which is sexist or casteist or communalist or, you know, and so on. Or we would not allow, uh, you know, maybe publishing on certain topics which don't fall in our uh, you know, So we have certain guidelines like those which help our editors understand what can be published and what cannot which is which goes beyond their own individual preferences as a reader.
1: Okay, yeah, it's that's very interesting for uh, the way you you're sharing that everyone has a story to tell and we want to share those stories. And the only thing that Women's Web does in terms of the editorial aspect is where you're uh, you know maybe of of course following making sure that the guidelines are kept because it's it's also a sensitive era that we are all in. I think it has always been, but now more so than ever before. And we've got to be careful about what is uh, put out there. But I think this is really interesting. Now, what happens, uh, this is just a follow-up question that I have for you. Let's say I'm the person who's contributing a story. I'm, maybe I'm not a very good storyteller, but my story has, I mean, you know not very good at writing it. Do you then uh, also help in terms of you know getting that story and structuring done right
0: so in many cases our editors do finesse do uh, help uh, you know put out stories in a way that makes sense to the reading public Uh, sometimes if it requires extensive restructuring you know where there's a kernel of an idea which is really valuable but the writing is you know quite hard to understand then they may even approach the uh, you know, a person who submitted it and take their permission to restructure it extensively, but in a way that, you know, still leaves it in their voice, which is not about sort of writing it in a certain academically correct or literally uh, literally appropriate, you know, uh, fashion, which still retains uh, that individual's voice. We do try that to the best of our ability.
1: Yeah. I have a question for you because on your social media, sometimes I stop when you have posted a snippet of a story like the way you tell the story it makes me stop and click okay and there are stances that you take from a story angle right while sharing especially when it's a woman's story of whatever she's going through now I'm sure because of the stance that you take you have trolls or you may have negative reactions how um How do you deal with it? First is, do you have negative reactions and trolling a lot on social
0: media? And if yes, how do you deal with that? Sure. So I think, you know, the first thing is to understand that trolling is different and negative reactions are different. Uh, So negative, critical, uh, you know, critical reactions sometimes expressed very negatively can happen, do happen. And uh, I think uh, it really depends on a case-to-case basis. Yes, uh, sometimes, you know, on the same issue, for instance, we would have two or three takes because it is a contributor-driven platform, right? So maybe individual contributors can have very widely differing opinions. Maybe some of them will elicit strong reactions and that's okay. So in such cases, at sometimes if there is clarification needed from our end, we might do that sometimes it is just that yeah an issue is polarizing and there are multiple reactions to it and that's okay and the community discusses among themselves maybe sometimes in strong language and that's all right. So that's you know one thing. If there is a case where you know we have been at fault in some way where for instance we put out something wrong or we've not quite uh, had the time to analyze an issue and get into all the facets and you know in some cases if for instance we've had an incomplete uh, uh coverage of a story then we might go in and add additional clarifications take feedback for what you know it's uh, important of course to take feedback in the right spirit so there is a lot of times you know either it is just a question that an issue has many different uh, faces and people respond in different ways you leave it at that that you agree to disagree not everybody has to agree in some cases if we feel there is a clarification needed from our end we would do that so that's you know as far as negative reactions go uh, now coming to trolling, which is an entirely different thing because trolling is, you know, quite different in the sense the person is not really engaging with your content in a meaningful way. You This often happens where, you know, you will uh, find that the person has not even read it, you know. Uh, it's, it's simply because there is something there which is triggering them, which is either a cause or a celebrity or something that they feel should not be touched in any way. So how dare you have this comment? So, you know, that's where trolling is coming from. And how dare you even bring up this subject? And it can be organized trolling where, for instance, the troll is inviting other trolls to also come and troll you. Uh, so trolling is entirely different. And we have no patience for trolling. We do not engage with trolls. Because, you know, if you're giving us negative criticism from a, you know, genuine community participation perspective where you're a member of this community you read us and you're engaging with a piece of content that's one thing but this is not that
1: I think that's a really objective way of looking at criticism negative reactions and you know being able to bucket it as what is really relevant and how feedback can either help you or it's not helping you moving on from there now I want to come to the business of women's web. right you have changed Uh, From what you started, how you started, the journey has evolved. And now you've pivoted. So currently, when it comes to your business model and when it comes to the content services that you offer to companies, talk to us about your service offerings and how you're able to help other companies as well
0: with content-related services and more. Sure, sure. So, you know, firstly, I should just mention that, you know, for us, everything evolved organically out of our community. So what we realized is that, uh, like I was mentioning at the beginning, right, only 19%, uh, or I think that figure is even, uh, you know, a lower dismal number now. Of, uh, in, yeah, I mean, after the pandemic, I believe the number has gone down. You know, very uh, a very small proportion of uh, women and even urban Indian women, a very small proportion actually are able to access paid work in any form. And that's for a variety of reasons, that's because of the way family structures are, the lack of, you know, affordable childcare options, the way organizational structures are, you know, which prioritize very long work days, including long commute times, you know, all of that does not really enable most women to go out and work a conventional uh, nine to five or increasingly what is becoming an eight to seven job in India, you know. So, given that we found that there is a lot of demand, but that you know, but this does not mean that women are not ambitious or they don't have a demand for paid right? So, um, in fact, recently we did a study and we found that you know, 75 percent of our readers said that uh, one of their uh, main uh, career uh, asks is that they want a larger income, or another, you know, uh, again, eighty percent of this audience said that they want their work to be showcased in front of more people, so more visibility as well, right? So definitely women have these ambitions and we started looking at what are ways in which we can put together the needs and skills of this community, which is such a rich community, you know. You have women who have been bankers, engineers, teachers, healthcare workers, you know, name it, writers, of course, right. So how can we put these skills together in ways that can enable us to build a coherent service offering and then take it to enterprises, right. So that's how we began it all really emerged out of the you know vision that we have for our community and the needs of our community from us where we are constantly talking to people and they're telling us they need more paid work they need more opportunities right so uh, therefore we started working with organizations as part of their uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives now uh, you would be aware that a lot of organizations in india today both multinationals and Indian companies and even public sector organizations are increasingly looking at building more diverse and inclusive workplaces. As part of that, they have many requirements. So for instance, they may want to uh, create certain kinds of content and experiences for their own employees, which, you know, help in widening the conversations around diversity and inclusion. Uh, They may want to, you know, take some of their initiatives to the external world. So, for example, if they're trying to recruit in a more diverse fashion, they want to, you know, talk about that to the outside world. They want to get more people from diverse backgrounds to apply. Or they simply want to create content for a variety of reasons. It could be to talk to their customers, their employees, whatever reason it may be. Now, where we come in is as an agency which brings in the expertise of our community and puts together skilled project teams uh, depending on each customer's needs. So it could be anything like, for example, for a customer currently, we are building a series of videos around their female leaders. Uh, For another customer, we've helped them uh, really uh, bring together roundtables in very specific industries where they want to meet certain customers. For another customer, we've uh, done research on, you know, uh, the future of work or on uh, hybrid workplaces or what women want out of, uh, you know, work. So, you know, where there are research needs, we also support them. So depending on the customer's needs in any of these areas, which could be content, research, or experiences, we can match them with, you know, the right project teams, which we draw from the women's web community. So in effect, what's happened is now we have a, uh, we basically have a company, Vocally Networks, which provides all of these services and Women's Web has become the digital face of that company. So Women's Web being the digital media arm, but Vocally itself provides all of these services to enterprises. So that's how, you know, both brands coexist. Like what you hear so far?
1: Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. It's very interesting to hear how opportunities can come when you just show up and do the work that you want to do. So that's a very interesting business model, I have to say. And I do have another question for you. What's next for Women's Web?
0: So what's next? Of course, you know, we've, uh, this is a business model which we've pivoted into, into the last, I would say, three years. Uh, so, of course, next would be in terms of, you know, strengthening our offerings, structuring them, taking them to more enterprises. There's a whole lot of work to be done in that space. So that's on the enterprise front. Uh, of course, as far as users goes, we are, you know, users go, we are thinking of a lot of different things for them. So, like I mentioned, uh, in the, in our first decade, how did we empower women? We did that by connecting them with each other through the power of storytelling. But uh, going forward, we want to do more. So on the agenda is a number of things which will help us offer more opportunities directly to women. So, you know, those could be gigs, those could be like project-based work, uh, those could be trainings in certain areas, but multiple ways for women to upskill themselves and find more opportunities. And we're actually building a couple of products on the digital platform which sit on top of this, you know, community that we have currently and will help us do that. So yeah, a lot of things are... uh,
1: Exciting things in the pipeline, which brings me to, Aparna, you just mentioned a decade. It's been a decade of doing this. And not, and you know, you started out literally when Instagram wasn't there, right? And a bunch of the social media platforms haven't been there. So you really started out at a time when there weren't these many platforms and opportunities. Would you say social media has then amplified it for you? helped you or you feel it's the same like with or without social media you know you still would have had that community
0: no there's no doubt about it that social media helped us reach out to a lot more people than we otherwise could have and uh, you know in the days before uh, facebook uh, began uh, downgrading organic reach quite so actively i think it was even better of course as with all things, where you don't own the platform, there are pros and cons. So, like with everybody who has invested heavily in social media to, you know, reach out to a larger audience, uh, we're also facing the ramifications of what happens when the platforms decide to curtail your reach. And that's not a problem that's unique to us. But still, having said that, nonetheless, you know, one cannot deny that social media has been an extremely useful tool, and it's and it's not just you know a one-way thing in terms of helping us reach more people, right? It's also, we've seen often the conversations that uh, people have with each other, you know, uh, where they find like-minded souls just in the comment section, for instance, right? Or even things like uh, help us ideate better because we're hearing from people constantly on social media, right? So I I would say it's very much a two-way thing where we're putting out content, yes, but we're also constantly hearing from and learning from users. Awesome.
1: And I i wanted to ask you this because this is something that i know women's web does so well what is your advice for women who are afraid to speak up on being fearless like how can women become fearless what have you seen and what's your personal what you have experienced yourself would you like to share or do you have some tips for people who feel i'm afraid to be visible i'm afraid to speak up i don't want to be judged What's your take on that?
0: You know, this is a very interesting question because honestly, I don't think there is such a thing as fearless. Let me first say that, you know, uh, I don't think there is, maybe there are a few rare individuals, but for the, uh, and I've come across maybe one or two of them in my life, but uh, for the majority of us, uh, and especially for women, fear is, you know, going to be there. Because uh, let's uh, face the reality, right? Like earlier we spoke about trolling and so on. There is enough evidence that shows that women are disproportionately trolled. Or even if we don't look at trolling, even harsh judgment, right? The set of double standards that is commonly applied everywhere, you know, comes into the online world as well. So as a woman, you can safely assume that you will be judged more strongly for a strong, you know, opinion that you express than would be a man expressing the same opinion right, so those are realities of this, you know, unfortunate universe that we live in, so I don't think, it's very hard to not be fearless, I think what helps is to, you know, maybe a couple of things, which is one is, you know, sometimes I ask myself the what-if question, right, which is, okay, what if someone is nasty to me about this particular opinion that I've expressed? you know, what if uh, someone strongly disagrees with me, What if someone judges me for saying this? And, you know, in the majority of uh, cases, the what if doesn't really have anything. So, okay, so what if, yeah, okay, they think of me poorly and so what, right? Uh, Very rarely are there, you know, and there may be some cases, you know, where there are very real world consequences. So, for example, if your what if, if the answer to your what if is that I could lose my job, you know, then maybe that is something that you do need to think about. So I hesitate to tell people that, you know, be absolutely, yes, of course, we need to speak up. Uh, we have to own our voices. But it's not, it's easier said than done. So I think one is asking yourself a what-if question helps you evaluate it in very practical ways. That is there really a risk or am I just overthinking this, you know? That's one Uh, Secondly, of course, I think uh, what I found personally very, very helpful is to understand who your cheerleaders are and to, you know, always know uh, who is that, you know, maybe small set of people who will truly understand you and root for you, even when you're expressing a very controversial opinion. And I think it really helps to build that tribe and maybe you will be the cheerleader for them as well. So I think that's the second thing which helps to really understand who your go-to people are, who understand where you're coming from and why you're saying something and to know that there are some people who have your back. So especially if you are a person, you know, who feels a little diffident, who's not by nature, someone who's, uh, you know, loud or, I mean, when I say loud, I don't mean it in a negative fashion, but, you know, who's used to using your voice and speaking out loudly. If you're not that person, if you're still sort of mustering up the courage to do this, I think you know, some of these things will help.
1: Great advice. I think, especially being practical and taking a moment to think, sometimes I'm I'm also, you know, guilty of this. I have been very impulsive maybe, and I'm not saying now, but in my corporate life, uh, there have been ways that I have not thought it through maybe and I could have done it in a better way. Still use my voice, but asking this what if question would have helped me you know, share my voice, my opinion, my uh, feedback in ways that would have been more, would have landed well. I think that's something. So great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And now I want to bring the conversation back to you. What does a day in the life of an editor look like? In your life, what does it look like?
0: So first things, uh, you know, uh, before I even answer this question, so I'm no longer uh, an editor. That's how I started out at Women's Web. You're
1: the CEO, founder. What?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've since, uh, though I, you know, though I love to edit occasionally, I've moved out of that as my core role. We now have a team of editors, but of course, I'm closely involved in the overall editorial strategy. And uh, yeah, coming to your question about uh, what a day in my life looks like, uh, I think I'm a person who thrives on routine so much so to that you know sometimes i have to sort of pull myself up for being too routine oriented and go do something new but yeah my days tend to follow a fairly predictable routine which is that i'm quite particular about a morning walk i like to have a little time uh, on my balcony to have my cup of tea uh, with my husband that's a little you know time together before each of us gets into our own days then there's of course uh, work i follow a fairly regular work day I find that it helps me I'm very you know I depend heavily on my uh, day plan and uh, I also try to make a week plan so that I can sort of plan for what is critical to accomplish that week so that I don't just get caught up in what is needed at the moment so yeah I follow a fairly predictable uh, work routine I love reading so I try to make some time for reading every single day uh, whether it's uh, a book, a Kindle, or uh, an audio book, in some form or the other, I must have a book every day. You know, that's uh, sort of non-negotiable for me. I think those are the mainstays of my days.
1: It's that's nice to hear because I feel like I'm hearing everything about myself and your <laughs> the way you express. Routine is important. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, as I'm talking, I'm kind of wondering how boring it might sound to somebody who's listening. But but like I said, I think I'm a I'm really a person of routine. But uh, what I'm now trying to do is I'm also trying to build some excitement into the routine. So for instance, on Fridays, I'm trying to meet someone new every week, whether it's virtual or you know, if they're in Bangalore actually physically, but I'm trying to actually have conversations with new people at least once every week and just no agenda conversations.
1: Interesting. I like it I'm a huge I'm a person creature of routine but you know what they say about all successful people they're all sticklers for routine it helps so yeah so that's what's working now I know your secret but what's one quality that you think has really worked well for you I mean
0: yeah it's it's a little hard to answer because you know it's not always easy to have self insight. but I think uh, you know uh, I don't to give up easily in front of hard problems. you know it's it's definitely not been an easy journey, right? Like, like what I was mentioning, we are in a space where content is free to consume, uh, where there is a lot of competition. Like you mentioned, you know, there are n number of platforms today. there is a long road to monetization, to figuring out what offerings work for us, our community, and our clients, and you know to kind of build that sweet spot. Right, so it's been a long journey. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be that that I don't uh, you know get phased very easily in front of uh, difficult circumstances.
1: Yeah, I have one for you that I think works also really well. I've seen you; you're very calm, you're very composed, <laughs> and this is something that I have to share. What I've seen in my interactions with you, I have to say, of course, they've not been in person, but you come across as someone who's really calm, composed, together, you got it all together. Uh, So I think that's also another quality, which is great to have. And um, yeah, so it's, I think you're just being very uh,
0: humble and not telling us everything, but... (laughs) Actually, you know, it's interesting that you uh, speak about calm because uh, it's not if you you know ask somebody if you ask people who knew me in my 20s uh, calm would perhaps be the last word they would used to <laughs> describe me yes yes so I think it's something that has happened over the years and of course uh, I think you also I, I've also learned with time right that sometimes you actually solve things better if you can stay calm and think rather than react immediately uh, I won't say I'm always successful at it but yes I think I've gotten a whole lot better at it
1: Yeah. So, okay. Not being faced and, you know, leading with composure and being, I mean, learning to be calm. Great. All of this is great qualities for anyone. I think it serves us well, especially if you're an entrepreneur, for sure. Now, when I, my last question for you actually is when you look back now, a decade later, do you think you would do it all over again? Or is there something that you would change about starting and growing Women's Web?
0: Right. I think I would do it all over again in the sense that would I start this? Would I run this? Yes, I'd definitely do it all over again. I'd probably do it faster. I'd have a clearer business plan to begin with. Whereas I went in without a very clear business plan and then, you know, sort of figured it out along the way. Of course, everybody figures out things along the way. Very rarely do even the best laid plans, you know, map out as uh, planned. But nonetheless, I think, uh, you know, having had a stronger understanding of cost of operations would have helped me at the outset. So now when, you know, I, I do often talk to uh, entrepreneurs at an earlier stage of their business. Uh, in fact, even last week I was talking to somebody and the first advice I give everybody is please understand your cost structure very, very well. Okay, good, good uh,
1: advice, I would say for anyone and for everyone who starts out, because especially in the early years, you tend to kind of, not look at your cost and then you look back and
0: especially because you're usually funding it with your time right and time seems to have no cost which is not the case yes wow
1: okay so that's been a really interesting conversation and before you go I do have one last question I know you mentioned books is there one that's a favorite I know books like there are so many but something that
0: comes up I'm putting it on the spot here so I mean I'm really wondering how does one even pick Her favorite, but can I do like a favorite fiction and a favorite non-fiction? Is that like a little bit of cheating allowed?
1: No, no, that's allowed, of course. You can even do it for the current period of your time because we can have so many.
0: Among my favorite uh, non-fiction books is uh, actually The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. I'm a huge fan of her uh, Happier podcast as well. uh, Yes, I mean, it's actually one of the books which has made my everyday... Uh, happier in a lot of small ways so I highly recommend it for everybody who wants a, you know and especially someone like me who used to diss the self-help genre but it uh, really converted me I think it was one book that is you know not self-help in a preachy way but gives you a lot of engaging ideas that are very easily doable in your day-to-day life and you can take what works for you so that's on the non-fiction front on the fiction front I mean it's it's just so hard but. I think if I had to just uh, pick one, okay, so I'm not going to pick a favorite. I'm just going to throw out a little surprising read, which maybe not uh, that many people might uh, have explored. This one is called The Year of the Hair by Arto pa- Yeah, but this is by an author called Arto It's a Finnish author. Uh, it's a very slim little book, almost like a fable. Has a very fairy, uh, dreamlike sort of uh, quality to it. Uh, it's a book I read almost every year. <laughs> I've read it many, many times. And uh, how do I even describe it? It's just something about you know life and uh, living life as it comes, and not taking yourself too seriously. It's just a very delightful little book. Let me put it that way. Interesting.
1: I'm adding it to my must-read list. I'm a huge avid reader, can't sleep unless I don't read. Uh, I can give up TV and whatever, Netflix and everything else. Yeah, if there's a book. So I don't I put you on the spot over there, Parna, but thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. So easy to talk to, of course. And uh, it's been a joy having you here. Thank you for making the time. And uh, thank you for being here with us on the
0: podcast today. Thank you so much, Savita. It's been lovely talking to you.
1: You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita, and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.